2: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Weston Hodkiewicz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field, and I'll begin this episode with an apology because late last week, something unexpected came up. I had to work from home for a couple of days. Therefore, our second episode of Unscripted was canceled last week. Not part of the plan, but I'm back. I was in the press box on uh, Sunday to cover Packers Patriots which turned out to be a wild game 27-24 a Green Bay overtime victory at Lambeau Field and Wes (laughs) the old adage is there's nothing that ever comes easy in the NFL and this game was the epitome of
1: that and with that coach right we all expected all week long Bill Belichick is going to have a plan because we knew right from Friday there was going to be no Mac Jones out there so, Brian Hoyer is going to be the quarterback. You knew you're going to see a lot of Ramondre Stevenson. You knew Damian Harris. Those guys were going to be a big part of the game plan. And defensively, they were going to mix it up. I mean, one of the things that Larry McCarran said last week that really held true is the amount of different looks Belichick's defenses are going to give you. And for the Green Bay Packers, it was a really interesting two halves for them. Offensively, got off to a slow start, some turnovers, some unexpected things happened on that side of things. Defensively, lockdown for the most part in the first half. Brian Hoyer goes out with the concussion, and then you have Bailey Zappi comes in, rookie fourth round pick out of Western Kentucky. Second half, kind of a switch. Offensively, three straight drives where the Packers put up points, but defensively having a hard time stopping both those running backs in the play action game. But at the end of the day, when the Packers had the gotta have them series to win this game, they accomplished the goal.
2: Yeah, the, what stood out to me about this game, and it, it's it's unsettling for the fans, and trust me, it's unsettling in some respects for the coaches and players as well, is on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively, there were wild swings in this game in terms of how the Packers were playing. You mentioned it, you, you detailed some of it there. Aaron Rodgers went into halftime with an 11.2 passer rating when he throws that pick six right at the end of the first half. Only the fourth of his career, only the second one at Lambeau Field. In his career, eleven point two passer rating, but then in the second half, he throws for over two hundred yards, a couple of touchdowns. His sec- second half passer rating was like one thirty plus, you know, something like that. So Rodgers got himself back to form, but you know that that was uh, you know a, a wild swing there, a, a big pendulum back and forth in terms of the offense. And same thing with the defense, where Zappy wasn't doing much for the Patriots' offense for. Uh, the bulk of the game, but then two series in the second half, the power running game, a couple of key play action plays off of it, and the Patriots in very short order, actually without even facing a third down on either of those touchdown drives, they put up 14 points with that rookie fourth round pick at quarterback. And you're sitting there going, "What is going on with the Packers defense? How does how does it this you know this Jekyll and Hyde thing, yep. you know, continue to show up?" But you said it, Wes, when, when the chips were down and when the Packers had to have it, they got it on both sides of the ball because offensively you had that final drive in overtime. You drained the last 6 minutes and 47 seconds of the overtime period, 12 plays, 77 yards, A.J. Dillon with the power running, a big third down conversion to Randall Cobb, and it sets up the walk-off field goal. Defensively, after those two touchdown drives, The Patriots did not get a first down the rest of the game. Three three and outs, including the most important one coming in overtime where they had taken over at midfield, I believe, on their own 49-yard line. So you're looking at what maybe 16, 17, 18 yards, probably one first down but not necessarily even two first downs and they're in position to kick a field goal and win the game. And the Packers got a three and out and got the ball back, took over on their own 10-yard line, and won the ball game. So the, for as much as last week against Tampa Bay, the sort of the, the crunch time, the clutch moments, the Packers made one of them, the two-point conversion stop, right? But offensively and defensively, it was like, boy, that wasn't going well down the stretch. There were clutch moments on both sides of the ball here, offensively and defensively for the Packers to pull this one out and they needed every single one of them
1: yeah and I'm sure when the team gets back in the building when they start breaking down this game and moving on now to the New York Giants there's going to be a lot of great teachable moments uh, on both sides of the ball and really all three phases but it's fun from my perspective because I felt like this was a teachable moment for Packer fans too you know, we talk all the time about why you need to stop the run. Well, when you talk about them not giving up those first downs at the end, it's because they were containing the run right. better. They weren't allowing, you know, those two backs to gash them for five, six yards because I, I would argue, and I didn't do the charting of it, but I bet every single one of Zappies, or at least most of them, his passes that he completed were all off play action. Yes.
2: I'm almost positive they were. The
1: the play-action crossers, they weren't reinventing the wheel with this offense when they moved on to quarterback number three. Bill Belichick put that young man in a really good position to succeed, and that's what great Hall of Fame coaches are going to do. For Green Bay, it's really going to come down to the physicality piece. Uh, That's what Matt LaFleur mentioned. You asked the question on Monday about this run defense and where you want to... Be able to clean things up, it comes down to the gap fitting. It comes down to making sure that those gaps to begin with aren't too big. I will say the one thing that you, and it's going to be very important if he's not available on Sunday, losing Adrian Amos. I thought this was kind of an eye opener too for, for what he provides. It's not just about Rudy Ford going in at safety. It's about the fact that Adrian Amos, since he signed here, has been the general of this defense. They have their signal caller. They have the guy relaying them in Devondre Campbell. But Amos is a guy that has played in every situation Green Bay has needed him to. If I may, the where was Green Bay able to win this game? As good as the Patriots were running the ball, the Packers were just a little bit better. And when you were able to get 199 rushing yards and a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers that you know is going to bounce back from a rough first half it was the perfect recipe for Green Bay to be able to stitch together the drives to pull out the victory. Yeah, well,
2: in terms of the individual performances in this game, I already mentioned Aaron Rodgers and how he went from, uh, I think statistically, that 11.2 passer rating, the worst first half of his entire career, uh, to getting back to his old self in the second half. But the two guys the two guys that jump out at you, Wes, are Romeo Dobbs on offense and Rashawn Gary on defense. And with Dobbs, I know... The fumble early in the game, yes, he needs to secure the ball better. He knows that. Aaron Rodgers needs to give him a better pass on that wide receiver screen. He knows that as well. And Dobbs needs to be able to haul in that, that 40-yard touchdown in the, in the fourth quarter. Unfortunately, couldn't you know maintain control of the ball as he hit the ground. But when you look at the whole body of work these last two weeks of what Romeo Dobbs has done in this offense he's going to continue to get more and more involved and see more and more opportunities. That back shoulder touchdown on third down from the 13-yard line, um, (laughs) Aaron Aaron Rodgers throws touchdowns like that to the Jordy Nelsons and the Devontae Adams and the Randall Cobbs of the world who have been playing with him for a long time. He's been playing with Romeo Dobbs for four games and down by seven points in the fourth quarter on a third down in the red zone, he went back shoulder to the rookie, and it was perfectly executed. Those are the types of plays that just tell you Romeo Dobbs is just getting started.
1: And they don't run the back shoulder as much as they did four or five years ago. It's in the repertoire. It's on the menu, but it's not go-to play for them in this type of offense. I, I really, as much as people want to talk about that fumble, as much as, you know, that drop was the number one thing he was asked about in the locker room afterwards. Sure. I, I don't care about any of it right now because the bigger story to me is the fact of what happened after the adversity, being able to come back after the fumble and behaving, catching that pass to get Green Bay back in the game in the second half, making a really good play on the ball, his natural ability, his ability to turn his hips, you know, get himself framed up correctly and win that one-on-one. That's huge. But To me, even bigger was the run solutions on the 12-play 77-yard drive at the end of the game. That is a situation, one, where if the Packers don't have confidence in Romeo Dobbs, he's not going to be out there. That's a two-minute situation. Packers have one basic series, not only to try to score, but also to run out as much of this clock as you can to protect the tie. Romeo Dobbs was out there. Rodgers liked what he saw in terms of how far the Patriots were playing off. Throws out those two quick passes i am back-to-back plays, Mike. Yep. It was like schoolyard football. They ran the yep. same play back-to-back, back and the Patriots didn't change how they defended it. Yeah, the only thing that was yards. different
2: was the one, Dobbs was lined up further to the outside. The second one, he was actually lined up closer to the formation, and Rodgers still flipped it to him anyway because the Patriots weren't really guarding that side. He, he was one-on-one out there, and Rodgers said, okay, kid, go get us some yards.
1: The, the Randall Cobb third-and-one conversion, that's the play of the game. But but Dobbs's catches there are what made a – Okay, looks like Mason Crosby's going to be in field goal range. Go to, okay, now we're entering, getting into the comfort zone of a- Mason Crosby's field goal range and being able to run the ball the way they did with A.J. Dillon Light. Credit to Dobbs, man. I've said it. You've said it. Matt LaFleur's said it. The young man carries himself in a very even-keeled manner, yeah. and he plays that way too. Yeah, absolutely.
2: There were two there were two just classic Aaron Rodgers throws third down conversions in the second half that uh, that were really pivotal in this game. The one is on the opening drive of the second half where you know Rodgers has actually thrown two incomplete passes to start the drive. It's 3rd and 10 and he gives Alan Lazard a shot on a go ball down the right sideline and uh, you know the ball is in a perfect spot and it's a fantastic catch by Al Nazar to dive, lay out, make that grab, move the chains, and that play I really thought was the one that jump-started Green Bay's offense, and you started to see Aaron Rodgers and the rest of these guys, the, the whole unit kind of snap back into what we were thinking and, and hoping that it was going to be. The other one that really stood out to me was on the tying touchdown drive in the fourth quarter, which ended with the, the Dobbs TD on the back shoulder to tie the game at Twenty-four, early in that drive, the Packers down by seven. They're facing third and six in their own territory, and who does he go to? The old reliable Randall Cobb. It was a, um, it was a combination route on uh, on that side of the field. Cobb was Cobb was kind of running an in an in and then out, and Christian Watson was outside of him running a go down the sideline, and Watson's go route kept the safety. Ten yards back, he completely had to respect Watson's speed in case that in case Rodgers was going to take the deep shot. Cobb breaks off his route to the sideline, and uh, and Rodgers just lays it in there absolutely perfectly. Twenty four yards converts a huge third and six that then allows the Packers to tie the game. Those were the signs that. The, this, this Packer's offense it, it's there. Yes, it's it's been fits and starts. The first half against Tampa Bay was great. the second half was lousy. The first half against yeah. New England w- was lousy except for the, w- the one drive that was all on the ground for the touchdown. But then the second half this uh, the, the Packers offense looked as close to unstoppable as, as it's looked um, in quite some time. The signs are there. When is the when is a greater level of consistency going to arise? That's what we're waiting to find out, but, uh, but the signs are there on, uh, on both sides of the ball for this team, I believe.
1: Yeah, talking with A.J. Dillon a little bit after the game, too, he reiterated what basically the entire offense said all offseason, which is so much as this is concentration is on the receiving core and, oh, what have they done and who do they have, you need to be able to appreciate and understand why Rodgers is high on Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb and being able to have a guy like Sammy Watkins come in or Robert Tunyon coming back and catching that seam route in the touch, in the end zone. Bang, bang, play, knows the safety's coming, got to hold on to the football, and he does it. Because those are the type of plays that it goes beyond what your 40 time is, it goes beyond what your size is, it's about the heart and will and being on that same wavelength with Rodgers. Those passes, some of these these third down conversions he's had, I think there's only been, you know, Cobb has seven or eight pack receptions this year, I believe. Mike, there might have been a one-foot window among all of them. I mean, there have been hairline on a rope passes that Cobb is not only as Rodgers had to thread the needle to get it to him, Cobb has to catch that in rhythm because there's a lot of traffic around him as yep. he's doing it. And and this game was a perfect embodiment to that. Also, from Alan Lazard's you were spot on. If you don't catch that ball on third and 10, the second half starts to look a lot different for Green Bay. Yeah, it does. Crowd reaction to that would have been a lot different. But Lazard, six catches, whatever it was, 116 yards. 116, yeah. Four of those catches over 19 yards. I mean, uh, an explosive play machine in that game for Green Bay.
2: Yeah, absolutely. want to ask you one other thing here before we move on to some other topics. Rashawn Gary gets a two-sack game, including a strip sack, where he gets the sack, the forced fumble, and the fumble recovery all by himself. Rashawn Gary has five sacks in four games. It doesn't take a genius with math to figure out that that's that's on pace for 20, maybe even 21 sacks here. Now, I know it's only four games into the season, but what kind of a sack number do you think Rashawn Gary's going to put up this season? Is he legitimately going to get 20?
1: I mean, thanks to the National Football League adding that 17th game, (laughs) he might have a shot at it. We'll have to see how things look uh, at the end of the year and if the starters are playing. But I'll say this, Mike. That first sack he had on Brian Hoyer, I leaned over to you. I leaned over <laughs> to our boss, Duke Bobber. It was a completely legal hit. Gary did everything right. But it reminded me of the kid that's just a little bit bigger and a little bit faster <laughs> in the middle school playground, and somebody gets hurt because the kid's just playing the way he should play. Right. But he's just that powerful. Right. Um, I When I think I audibly did like a ooh, yeah, when I saw him coming in on, on Hoyer because the problem was is that he beat his blocker so badly that his entire rush was acceleration.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: because sometimes it's it's power to speed, right? You got to get through and then you accelerate towards the quarterback. It was like he was shot off a line in a track and field meet and Hoyer <laughs> yeah. was standing 20 yards downfield. Yeah. It was a freight train coming at him. Five sacks, Certainly, you look at the quarterback pressures. That's the big stat Matt LaFleur talks about. He's affecting games, and he's affecting the quarterback, and more and more teams now are having to take into account all of that.
2: Yeah, no question about it. I'll take care of some sponsor business here, Wes. At Cousin Subs, oh, you know what? I'll start with Cousin Subs today. Why not? Yeah, let's do it. At Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl. Cousin Subs, 50 years of better. And serious XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. All right, well, it is on to London for the Green Bay Packers and for us later this week. And the first London game of 2022 was this past Sunday. It involved the Minnesota Vikings and the New Orleans Saints. And, um, another <laughs> dramatic down-to-the-wire type of game with, uh, you know, people wondering, okay, so how come, you know, how come the Packers struggle so much when the Patriots are on their third string quarterback, et cetera, et cetera? Well, the New Orleans Saints were missing Jameis Winston, Alvin Kamara, and Michael Thomas. And Minnesota Vikings couldn't put them away either. And if not for uh, the double doink from 61 yards, Will Lutz would have, uh, would have sent that game to overtime and made uh, made some history of his own having drilled a 60-yarder earlier in that fourth quarter to tie the game. Um, what a game though in London. Um, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium uh, was uh, uh, certainly got an entertaining one and we'll see what happens when the Packers take the field in that same stadium this Sunday.
1: Yeah, cuz my my biggest takeaway of that game was just how gosh darn good Will Lutz is. <laughs> um, exactly I've had respect for well. him for a long time, but my god, I mean,
2: he 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 hit that that's that 61-yarder that hit the upright and then hit the crossbar. It was it was I mean he he made it look almost effortless. I mean the as soon as the ball came off his foot you're like, "Oh my gosh,
1: he might make yeah, that." Yeah, I was actually you know? surprised it it fell short, yeah. you know. Well, it didn't. It hit the ball. but Yeah, it but hit hit the, hit the upright. I, I was going to say too. I mean, has there ever been a situation where where kickers made two 60-yard field goals? No, it wouldn't. That's
2: why I say he would have made NFL history that if history. that if that had gone through. No kickers yeah. ever made two of 60 plus in the same game. I
1: talked with uh Alan Lazard after the game. Um because I'm working on a game program this week. Go figure, Uh, on London, and the Packers playing there. And and Alan is a huge, huge soccer fan, so he's excited about the trip in and of itself. But he said, watching that Saints and Vikings game and what that crowd was like for both teams, I mean, it was 60 minutes of pandemonium for the most part. (laughs) And the fact that I think everybody believes that this crowd is probably going to tilt and skew a little bit more towards Green Bay with it being their first trip out there, Lazard was just over the moon about this opportunity. And I think that's going to be the coolest part about it is I'm sure throughout the year, you know, guys, you know, fans will probably become a little bit more numb to it, but that first game out of the gate, the little bit that I was able to watch in the second half of that matchup, that was a live atmosphere and they had a great game to watch.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that victory put the Vikings at three and one tied with the Packers atop the uh the NFC North both teams currently three and one the Packers opponent this Sunday the New York Giants also three and one after a victory over the Chicago Bears and I'm going to put you on the spot here because I forgot to kind of look up what the latest was with regard to the Giants quarterback situation this week is has there been any uh update to that news yeah so as
1: I haven't looked this morning, but as of yesterday, Tyrod Taylor was in the concussion protocol, and the way that they said it, um, I'm forgetting the new head coach's name. uh, Brian Dable. Brian Dable said that, you know, basically Daniel Jones' is day-to-day. So It looks like he'll be, Jones will be good to go, but losing Taylor, I mean, a very interesting matchup against the Bears, where then Saquon Barkley is potentially the quarterback, and a lot of things working them way out. But the number one thing, we'll preview this later this week, but this game, again, reiterated, when the giants are riding Saquon barkley yeah. he's healthy they are formidable mike because he is not an easy object to stop
2: yeah absolutely he's he's a he's a home run hitter in every sense of the word um, but also a guy that can carry the ball 28 30 times on a given day and completely control a football game and uh, um yeah we'll talk about that more on our second episode this week which um I promise I'll be here for. (laughs) But uh, um, the other thing I just, I I saw a statistic this morning and I didn't realize it um, from a number standpoint, but it just, it speaks to where we are in the NFL right now. I saw that of of the 16 games that were played in week four, 15 of the 16 the score was within one possession yep. at some point in the fourth quarter of the game. 15 out of 16 were a one-possession game at some point in the fourth quarter, regardless of what the final score ended up being. <laughs> like we've said from the very beginning, buckle up. This is It's it's what this league is. You have to expect it every week. You have to be able to make the plays in the key moments to win games because you know it doesn't matter if you... St- Jump out to a fourteen nothing lead as the Packers did in Tampa, as the Jacksonville Jaguars did against the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. The, the Baltimore Ravens had a twenty to three lead at home against the Buffalo yep. Bills. It doesn't matter. These games come down to making the key plays at crunch time, and you just ha- you just have to get used to it. And uh, um, you ha- you- your team has to be toughened and hardened. To, uh, to know that that's what it's going to take and you have to be able to rise up in those moments to do it, to chalk up games in the wind column.
0: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers, to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK systems through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
1: And that's the key word, Mike. Two words. The win column. That's what this first month, that's what September football proved to me. No Super Bowl is won in September. But my God, is it difficult to win in this league. You look at what the Raiders have done. You look at the Detroit Lions, the emotional... Yeah games that they've had one of the league leaders in offense right now they're still one and three it is not easy to win so you pull out a victory like green bay did against new england you find a way to win on the road in tampa bay and now with these three games now kind of coming up if you want to call them home games before you get on a real road trip uh, you, you have to take care of business.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, gonna, it's going to be a, it's gonna be a fun trip to London. We'll talk about that more on our next episode. But for now, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team. We've got everything for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.
0: Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use?